Hello, everybody. This is Jimmy Humphrey with the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. You are listening to your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Today is episode five of the Jimmy's Table podcast, and today I wanted to talk about love. But before we talk about love, I'd like to briefly sing this little ditty uh, that you may all be a little familiar with. <laughs> what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. <laughs> Hope I'm still with you. Sorry to hit you like that really hard and fast, especially for those of you who may be listening to this in your morning commute to work or while you're working out. Uh, if you weren't awake, you probably are now. Uh, but <laughs> so thanks for uh, staying with me. Um, I just thought I'd be really, really stupid. So uh, I hope you forgive me for my stupidity. Uh, and if, above all, though, I hope you uh, had a good laugh. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's get beyond the silly and the stupid and get into something uh, a little more serious, if you may. Because uh, love is something that we, we think a lot about. It's something that we... Um, really end up pursuing, I think, most of our lives. All of us have this desire to be loved uh, by others, and that desire starts early, and I don't think it's a desire that ever leads us, uh, leaves us uh, in this life. We all want to be loved, and we all want to be loved by somebody. Uh, and, you know, there's another song there, but I won't go down that road, because, you know, I don't want to torture you, because, well, I love you at the end of the day. <laughs> so anyway, um, but you know, we, we all want to be loved and it's this, this nature and this thing that we have. And I think that's ultimately something uh, given to us by God is this desire uh, to be loved. Um, we're relational beings at the end of the day and God is a relational God. And it's something that I believe is just innate in our DNA and something of his image uh, in our lives. But, you know, before we really get into talking about love and maybe the theology of, of some love and some personal application stuff about love, I'd like to share two stories that have happened in my life recently that have really humbled me and at the same time personally challenged me and, and has, you know, in some ways kind of awakened me to my own failures over the years and something that I've not really uh, measured up as well as I probably should have in my life uh, and in my faith, especially as someone who, you know, has been to Bible college and seminary and, you know, has read a lot of theology and has spent a lot of time doing various ministry stuff in the church over the years. Um, so I, I just feel really challenged. So I, I don't think I'll be able to express the way I've been challenged until I share these two stories with you. So here we go. Two stories. One is uh, recently from a, uh, a church retreat that I went to. Um, and the presenter of this uh, seminar we went to 
the pastor there simply asked a simple question. How extravagantly do you love others? And if you were to measure that and put that on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you think you would fall if you were taking inventory on yourself of this capacity you have to extravagantly love others? And extravagantly love others was defined as in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That sort of love. If, if Jesus was an extravagant lover of mankind, if God is an extravagant lover of mankind, then how well are you and I, on a scale of 1 to 10, measuring in our ability to love others? And that really got me thinking because I definitely know I'm not a 10. <laughs> I'm not a 10 in the looks department either. Uh, and uh, maybe a 10 in personality though. Um, but you know, when I uh, sat there and thought about that, I, I, I really thought, you know, I don't know that I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not a 10, but you know, if I were really honest with myself, if I were to really search my heart uh, about my, ability to love others extravagantly and, and the way that Jesus loves me, I'd probably have to put myself down somewhere around a six. That was really hard to swallow, you know. Um, it's so hard to swallow when I think about it. And, and I'm not so sure that there's much I can say about that other than when I look at my own life and how I interact with others and, and what's in my heart, um, I don't extravagantly love others as, as I ought. Um, and I think if, if we were to take an inventory of ourselves, just like I had to take an inventory at this, uh, little retreat or seminar or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, I think if you were honest with yourself, you would probably score, yeah, probably not much better than me, um, in, in that capacity, uh. And while, of course, you could be an amazing person, I haven't met you yet, and, you know, if you're such an amazing person and you're scoring higher than a six or seven uh, on the, the love capacity meter, you know, by all means, email me at jimmy at jimmystable.com or reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter or, uh, you know, reach out to me in real life if you know me. <laughs> if you're really doing that well, I'd love to get to know you because, you know, love is not something I have necessarily excel that in my Christian life. I love my wife to death. I love uh, some some close family and friends to death. You know, I, I would say I have an extravagant capacity to love some of them. But if I were to say overall in my gauge of humanity, how well do I love others? You know, that's definitely uh, lower on the spectrum than I'm, you know, really comfortable than, to admit to, to myself, honestly. Um, it's, it's something, it's just something I can't deal with, because uh, <laughs> I know I should love people better than I do, but, uh, something tells me in my heart of heart, something, the Holy Spirit, I feel is just telling me that I just don't. And then, so I went through this experience with youth camp and, and, and uh, seminar or whatever I went to, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then recently somebody I know passed away. Uh, guy's name was Luke. He was a pastor at a church I used to go to, a children's pastor. Um, Luke was an amazing individual. 
I, I didn't know Luke very well. I only went to the, the church there for a couple of years. Um, and my interactions with him were very brief over the years. Because um, even though we ran in some similar shoulders, it was more so just like kind of an association of rubbing elbows and, hey, how are you doing and stuff. But there was a time I had the, the opportunity to talk to Luke, um, you know, in person a couple times. And, you know, I just had nothing but the best things to be able to say about Luke. Um, and, you know, honestly, uh, I, I wasn't able to attend his funeral, but um, it was broadcast by the church uh, on their, uh, their network that they have through their website. And I was blown away um, by all the things people said about Luke. And not just because, you know, it's a funeral and it's something you say at a funeral. Everybody's nice at a funeral and everybody was the best person at a funeral. No, 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 no. This wasn't that sort of funeral. Um, and this, this was different. Um, and it was different because when people, whether on stage or the audience, stood up to talk about Luke, they were actually able to tell amazingly powerful, unique stories, stories unique to them about Luke. Um, and they were able to tell about how he personally touched their lives. And all the th ways he touched their lives and all the stories that people shared were, you know, some of them were not only hilarious and funny, because Luke was a f very funny individual in more ways than one. <laughs> in many, many ways he was hilarious. Um, but, you know, Luke carried about him a love and a joy that I think few people that I have ever met have had. Um, and I would put him you know, of somewhere in my top five of, of uh, people I've ever met and their capacity and ability uh, to express love and joy in their lives and to express it towards other individuals. Um, and I sat there and thought, you know, all these people saying all these fantastic things about Luke and his ability to love and his ability to share joy, um, even in the midst of uh, the cancer that uh, ultimately uh, killed him and ravaged his body. Um, but that he, you know, continued loving and continued showing joy until the end. Um, you know, I think that's a powerful testimony in his life because I sat there and thought if, if I were to die today of something, you know, tragic, like Luke died and something untimely, you know, uh, Luke died far, uh, too soon, uh, only in his fifties, I believe. Um, if I were to die today at the ripe old age of 36 years old, um, would people, stand up at my funeral and be able to say the same thing about me? Um, would I be known for my love? Yeah, I'm sure my wife would say, you know, many wonderful things about me. And I'm sure my parents uh, would say some, you know, pretty nice things about me as well as hopefully my siblings. Um, but, you know, what about the rest of the world? Would the rest of the world have this impression of, of Jimmy Humphrey, that Jimmy Humphrey had this radical capacity to love and to share joy. And that really got me to thinking because, you know, again, I was already thinking about this topic when I went to uh, the youth seminar uh, camp retreat thing that I went to and they asked about the scale of 1 to 10 about how extravagantly I love others. And, you know, I was already thinking about this in a very theoretical way. And then all of a sudden I'm confronted with the funeral of this uh, former pastor that I 
you know, briefly had the, the chance to know. And, you know, all of a sudden that theory became flesh and blood. And I thought about an individual who I was seeing um, that has passed away that um, challenged the me and the ways I love um, others uh, through his death. And, and I sat there thinking about the flesh and blood aspect of it. And it just, it teared me up because I thought, here's this, this beautiful man who brought such love and joy to the world uh, through his faith with Christ um, and had an amazing ability to uh, include others in all that he did and uh, to really relate to people in an uncanny way. Um, and I sit there and think about what he's being known for today, and I sit there and think, what would I be known for if I were in his position today? I would probably be known for a lot of things. People would probably say I'm funny, they'd probably say I'm bold, and, you know, uh, that I stood up for the truth and what I believed, and, and that I, you know, they might even say that I'd love Jesus. Um, and some might even say they felt loved by me and that I, you know, went out of their way to help them a couple times. But I wouldn't be marked in the same way that uh, Pastor Luke was marked. And I know that about myself. And as I search my heart and my mind and my soul and just allow God to do his work in my, my life, I'm like, I didn't have that type of love that Luke has. Now, granted, you know, he was in his 50s, so he had more time uh, to perfect and grow in the ways of love. Um, you know, I'm only in my mid-30s. So, uh, you know, I'm still, you know, learning about all this stuff uh, and, uh, and seeking to apply it in my life. Um, but, you know, I, it struck me when I heard these stories that this is something that Luke hasn't just been known for recently, you know, in his 50s or 40s. It's, it's really been something he's been known for much of his life. And I have a hard time dealing with it. So, and I, you know, I, I, I hope you're feeling a little uncomfortable about this idea as well. And, you know, I, I have notes here and I, I, you know, want to talk about these things, but just like, I want to at the same time, I don't just want to talk and, and give you some sort of lecture about love and a three point sermon, uh, and that sort of thing, even though I have, you know, notes written down equivalent to, to that. Uh, to heck with my notes. Um, those are just to give me structure for when I get on here, hopefully. Um, but, you know, I think more important than that is, is wrestling with this idea of uh, love and our ability to love others and how well we are um, excelling at love. Because I think if you're like me, as you're thinking about this yourself and maybe hopefully as God's working on your heart, you realize that you probably don't love others as well as you should. I know I don't. Um, but you know, if you are, you know, email me, like I said. <laughs> um, so anyway, let, let me let me go ahead and get on because I don't, I don't want to get stuck here in some sort of limbo. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I've realized that this isn't me. I love others, but uh, my capacity to love others would never, ever be confused with an extravagant love, you know, and I will say that I don't hate anybody. I, I can honestly say that there is nobody in this world that I have a burning hatred towards. I don't have someone out there that I'm just really nursing a grudge and just have an ax to grind and just really hate them and can't stand them. 
Um, you know, even, you know, President Trump and, or Hillary Clinton or, you know, whatever boogeyman you see on TV. I, I, I don't hate any of these people. I might have some, you know, occasionally some strong opinions about some of them or their policies or something of that matter. But I, there's no one in this world that I hate. But I don't, but I still don't think I've moved to the area where, okay, I, I, I'm not hating these people anymore. But I'm not exactly loving them either. And, and, and even though there was a point in my life where I certainly did hate people, um, I, I can definitely think how I have grown and the ways of love over my life. Um, I realize that there is this uh, sort of indifference in my soul about a lot of people uh, and, and, and my ability to, to love them. And I, and I think that's something that we all struggle with at the end of the day, most of us either truly hate people, and there are people we truly hate, um, and we live in a world that teaches us to hate, especially on the news, cable news especially. If you're watching Fox or CNN or MSNBC, uh, or you're listening to Rush Limbaugh or engaging in, you know, listening to Mother Jones or, or what have you, dear God, uh, you are being saturated uh, with... Uh, you're just being given tons of fuel uh, to hate every single day. You're not just learning about different political points or whatever. You're actually learning to hate and actually hate people. Um, if you let me just say this right out front: if you are screaming at your TV about what an idiot the president is or what an idiot the uh, some certain liberal is and calling them libtard and getting on hateful arguments with people on Facebook and actually getting blocked by people or put in Facebook jail by Facebook. Um, you need a timeout in your life. So I'm just going to say that right out. Uh, if you're engaging in these sort of practices, you aren't even beginning to love people. You're not even at the stage of indifference. Uh, you actually hate people. Um, and that's something the, the Bible speaks very strongly against. So if you're one of those people, let me just tell you straight up, y'all need to repent. <laughs> it's just straight up, y'all just need to repent. Um, and you need to stop. And if that means having to turn off Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or unsubscribe from Mother Jones or the New York Times or, or what have you, if that means you have no, if that leaves you in a uh, little bunker in which you don't know which is going on in the world, uh, and you don't get your daily dose of politics. Well, so be it. Uh, you know, you you don't you you may need to know some of what's happening in the news, but you don't need to know that if it's causing you to hate anybody. So hey, anyway, that was just for free. Uh, that was that wasn't even in my notes. That was just made up there on the spot. So that that was for somebody out there. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Jesus said in the Bible the two greatest commandments that He gave mankind. Uh, or to love God and to love others. And Jesus also tell, taught elsewhere uh, that we should love our neighbors as ourselves, that we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And Jesus even taught something radical so as to be as bold as to even love our enemies. So you got to love Donald Trump. you got to love President Obama. you got to love Hillary Clinton. you got to love... President Bush, you gotta love Rush Limbaugh. You gotta love all these people, folks. You may not like them, and understandably so. You may be, their politics may boggle you, but you gotta love them. Jesus said so. So 
get on top of that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the Bible also says, uh, the Apostle John also asks us a question about, how is it that we say we can love God whom we have not seen if we cannot love our neighbor who we have seen? So if you say you're a lover of God, but you hate President Obama, or you hate President Trump, or you hate Hillary Clinton, there's something a little amiss in your faith, dear Christian friend and brother and sister and family member. <laughs> you know, if, if you, you know, truly don't love people at all, and you really actually hate them, there's something problematic. Because the Bible says you can't love God and hate your neighbor. It's just, you just can't. You just can't. You you can justify about how terrible of a person they are. Well, stop thinking about how terrible of a person they are all the time. Think about who God has created them to be. Find the beauty and awesomeness in their life uh, for a change. You can disagree with people and see all the things you don't like about them. Anybody can do that. Um, that's not hard. Um, but this love stuff, that is hard. Loving others is not easy and is not for the faint of heart. You know, we can sit here and say, oh, they're just like those hippies. They just love everybody. Well, you know, you know, if you get confused with a hippie and, uh, you know, get branded for being such a lover of humanity, um, you know, I'd rather be known for that than all the other things I can be known for. Uh, don't leave a legacy of mom and dad used to scream at the television as they watched the news. That's a bad impression people should have of you. If you don't realize that, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, and you know, this, this love stuff, it's really real. <laughs> it is really real and it's crucial and essential for our faith. I'd say the, the commandments to love God and love our neighbor are greater than any creed that the church has drafted over the years. Instead of, you know, it's greater than the Apostles' Creed, it's greater than the Nicene Creed, it's greater than whatever creed your church adheres to. Uh, it's greater than your Calvinism, it's greater than your Methodism, it's greater than your Protestantism, it's greater than your Pentecostalism. Loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, um, that should be the... The first two statements of every Christian creed. Every Christian creed should not start with, I believe in God the Father, and I believe in God the Son, and I believe in God the Holy Spirit, three in one. No, it should start, uh, or if it does start with those points, the, the points right after that should be, and oh, we're going to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. I would love to see that as a Christian creed. Let's see that as a Christian creed. I love God, I love my neighbor as myself, and oh yeah, I love my enemies too. Uh, just as the Bible teaches me. Um, that should be somewhere in our historic Christian faith. Um, but sadly, even though there have been some who have excelled at it over the years, uh, it's something that we, you know, sometimes forget to document on paper that, hey, we're supposed to love people just like Jesus said. <laughs> so this love stuff in the Bible, it's real, it's cru crucial and essential to our faith. Love saves us and our faith from becoming highly individualistic and consumeristic in nature. Um, and I think that's something we should not forget because so often our faith becomes about us. It becomes about who we are, who we're becoming, uh, it becomes about God meeting all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. 
Um, it help, it's about God helping me become a better husband, a better father, a better uh, co-worker, uh, a better boss, a better leader, a better this, a better that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and we, we gobble that stuff up. We, we write books about that. We go to conferences about that. Um, but a what about actually just, you know, keeping us from being so self-centered at the end of the day. So what, what keeps us from loving others? Well, I, I've already hinted on it. Uh, selfishness. The, we're so selfish, the Bible has to command us to love others. Because our natural drift, the way we tend to drift our natural inclination at the end of the day, is that we have this natural inclination to be about numero uno, to be selfish, uh, to be concerned about ourselves first and foremost. Um, and, uh, you know, the Bible realize, realizes this about this. Jesus realizes this about us. God really realizes this about us. That, that left our own devices, we would look out for nobody but ourself. Um, but Jesus in the Bible teaches that, uh, you know, we need to be love, uh, individuals who love others. And, um, but the reason we're not is because we just have this natural inclination to be selfish. So what else keeps us from loving others? I would say also indifference. Not only are we selfish, but we're indifferent. We see that there's six, seven billion people in the world. We don't have time for them all. So we sit there and look at relationships as uh, this something like we have equity in, uh, that we have stock in. Um, we have our little group of friends and family, and uh, we, you know, might give all of our love towards them, and, you know, because, you know, we're, we we not only look out for ourselves, but we look out for our own. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we, and everybody else, we like, well, maybe I'll like you, or maybe I won't slit your throat today. <laughs> maybe I'll uh, not be a total, you know, butthole to you in the line at, at the, the grocery store. Um, so I'm just going to be indifferent to you. If I see you walking down the hallway, I'll give you a nod. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I might make eye contact with you. Uh, but, you know, my ability to actually love you, well, you know, that stops at my f family and friends and immediate uh, people that I have interest in stock in. Um, so while we might not have this, this uh, hatred for, for others, uh, we're not exactly uh, doing them any favors by being indifferent to them either. So I, I see indifference as definitely uh, something that keeps us from loving others. Uh, and then third, another thing that keeps us from loving others is fear. We're afraid somebody's going to hurt us, so they're going to mess up our comfortable lifestyle, that they're going to be a bother. Um, and if it's somebody we already don't get along with because of some personality conflict or, you know, a history, maybe somebody has wronged us and we don't want to be wronged again, uh, we refuse to love that individual. We're afraid somebody's a threat. We're afraid Al-Qaeda is a threat. We're afraid our in-laws are a threat. We're afraid... Um, our neighbor down the street who parks his car uh, where he shouldn't is a threat. Um, you know, we, 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 and, and we don't want confrontations with these people, or maybe we do. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we want a little Jerry Springer every now and then in our lives. Uh, but we have this fear, um, and we're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of hurting others even. 
Um, so, you know, we, we, we withdraw our love. So not only are we selfish towards individuals, not only are we indifferent towards individuals, but we actually fear individuals. And, and fear is often the greatest enemy of love. Uh, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, so if you were to juxtapose that and, and play it in reverse or read it backwards, uh, fear is something that casts out all love at the end of the day. Um, so if you're, you know, having a real difficult time with somebody and not just because you're trying to work out genuine differences, uh, mutually together, which, you know, is something we don't do a lot of these days because of, again, the fear component or, or the lack of love, um, you know, we end up being individuals who, you know, just, just cut people off altogether. Um, we fear them. Um, they might hurt us. Uh, they might mess with our lives. So we're going to push them out and treat them as our enemy and, you know, maybe even let them know they're our enemy. So as I got to thinking about these things that, uh, you know, keep us from loving others, I also thought, what can we do to grow in our capacity to love others? What can I do to, to extravagantly love people like Jesus loved me? Uh, what can I do to extravagantly love people like Pastor Luke loved people? Well, I think first and foremost, we need the attitude of Christ. We need to prepare our hearts to love others with the same sacrificial love that Christ had for this world. You know the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should uh, believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all need that sacrificial, extravagant love of Christ. The same love that motivated Christ should motivate our hearts as well. And that's something I need to work on. That's something you need to work on. Um, it's something we all need to work on because I don't think any of us have quite obtained to the levels of uh, the love of Christ towards others. Or if for the few of you who have, um, you're one in <laughs> a very small lot of people. Um, so if we want to also grow in our capacity to love others, uh, we have to learn to see the value in everyone. We have to learn to see someone and everyone as created in the image of God. We need to learn to see our mother-in-law as the image of God. We need to learn to see our parents as the image of God. We need to learn to see our siblings as the image of God. We learn love. We need to learn to see our neighbors as the image of God. We need to learn to see the stranger as the image of God. We need to learn to see the immigrant, both legal and illegal, as the image of God. I need to learn to see President Trump as the image of God, as Hillary Clinton as the image of God, as Bernie Sanders as the image of God. I, I, I need to learn to see Saddam Hussein as the image of God, as Al-Qaeda as the image of God. Even, you know, can I just be crazy and bold? Because well, Do I even need to say it? Because you probably could guess it right now. Even need to, need to see people like Adolf Hitler as created in the image of God. And you need to be prepared to... To see them as such, because until you see everybody on earth who is a human being as created in the image of God, you're never, ever going to love people as you should. You'll never have that radical Christ-like capacity to love people. Because um, that's ultimately what motivated Christ. 
And unless we allow that into our hearts, it'll never be something we walk in in our lives. And point number three, and I take this point, uh, I, I put this question out on Facebook about how we could grow in our capacity to love others. Uh, and I have this great insight here from Corey. Um, Corey said on Facebook, I think in regard to love, he thinks that our ability to love is at least influenced a great deal by our culture and negative experiences. Uh, my bad encounters, especially with church folk, uh, have made it difficult for me to let my guard down. Our American culture is very selfish in orientation and drives us towards viewing the world through a self-centered lens. Combine these two factors and I believe uh, the sum comes out to be less than outward loving worldview. Um, in order to break that, he says, uh, Corey says that um, he thinks it'll take nothing less than a bulldog tenacity uh, and a lot of help from the Holy Spirit uh, to ultimately love. I, I like that. We need to have a bulldog tenacity. That's something Dave Ramsey should say. He, he talks about gazelle intensity. Well, Corey talks about bulldog tenacity when it comes to loving others. Um, so we need to be bold. We, you know, we need to get out there and not be afraid to get hurt and to get uncomfortable and to be vulnerable. Um, we need to allow love to ultimately overcome our fears. Fears that we may have even towards people that we dislike. People who may even be diametrically and directly opposed to us. People who may even want us dead at the end of the day. Um, if Jesus said, <laughs> you know, that's, that's gospel, that's Bible, folks. Jesus said, love your enemies. When he said, love your enemies, he didn't just mean, you know, the people you, you know, occasionally dislike on Facebook. <laughs> He meant people who are actually out there to harm you physically and mortally. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Um, and that's something I—that's <laughs> something we definitely don't do as as Christians in America. There, there is no preaching of loving your enemies in our churches. Uh, in fact, we're all the more happy to to enjoy to uh, to jo join ourselves to the the hatred that uh, just permeates our culture uh, for one another. Um, we love it. We're addicted to it. We we want to hate others just as much as they hate us. <laughs> we act like that's Bible, but it's not. So anyway, this has been a great little rant today. This I know this conversation has been kind of all over the place. And, you know, that's going to kind of how it's going to be occasionally on the Jimmy's Table podcast. I'm just looking to talk to you like as if I were talking uh, to you, sitting across the table, having a conversation. This, this, I might have notes and I might have points, you know, at the end of the day, but uh, it's this, this, if you're going to be in a conversation with me, we're going to wrestle. Or, or not going to wrestle. I'm not, I'm not going to say that properly. We're going to wrestle. You know, let, me, let, me, let some of that Southern come out of me. We're going to wrestle. <laughs> uh, and, and you know as we should iron sharpens iron um, and so as one man does another uh, according to Proverbs so let's be that iron sharpening iron let's have these hard conversations let's, I, I'm not going to be neat and cute and act like I'm delivering some three point message from a pulpit I, I want to struggle 
with you in these conversations. Uh, and I hope you're prepared uh, to struggle with me. Uh, and I might make it a little hard <laughs> to listen to occasionally because, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea in my personality or delivery style. I, I realize that, and that's cool. Uh, but hey, if you got this far, 36 minutes into the show, I believe it is now, um, well, you're, you're with me. You're on board. Uh, and I love you for it. <laughs> I feel your love. Uh, and I hope you feel mine. Um, but, you know, in all seriousness, uh, I, I hope you get, get something from these conversations, these rants, these, these talks. Um, because, like I said, this, this Jimmy's Table.com, this Jimmy's Table podcast, it's all about having conversations about uh, life, faith, culture, uh, sometimes food. Uh, we'll get to some food in the, in the near little bit. Uh, I keep promising it. I, I promise I will deliver on it, really. Uh, I swear. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I want these to be real conversations, conversations we have with one another. I, I, I'm talking into a microphone right now. That's really weird. I'm not used to, to just sitting. I, I might be used to banging something out on Facebook uh, on some type of some sort. But sitting here talking to a mic by myself is a little weird. Uh, so I'm trying to make it as much as I can like we're having an actual conversation. Um together so that we can struggle together so that we can grow together uh, so that we can ultimately become the people that God would I believe have us to become and that's what Jimmy's table.com is all about so I hope you're enjoying these podcasts these shows um, I hope that you uh, get something out of it if uh, you can do me the favor interact with me on Facebook interact with me on Twitter you can look me up uh, check me out at jimmystable.com. Subscribe to Jimmy's Table on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other places this podcast are found. Uh, and if you can, you know, do me the favor of uh, leaving a review on iTunes and Spotify. And, you know, consider sharing these uh, posts uh, or these uh, podcasts uh, with one another um, so that you can invite others to also participate in these conversations. Because uh, be, I think it'd be kind of cool if, you know, a little community of uh, some sort of community, sense of online community formed out of out of this, uh, and not only for my own, so I can stroke my own ego and say, ha, 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 "I built a big podcast" or or something retarded like that. Um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, this it's what it's about. It's about getting together, uh, having a conversation, sitting across from one another, talking to one another, uh, being with one another. Uh, and learning to grow in our capacity to love and uh, have faith uh, in this world. So anyway, everybody, have a good day. Take care. This was episode number five of Jimmy's Table podcast. Take care.